if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. It is the third morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord 2020. It is election day. And uh, I don't know about you. I started the show with it and I feel like hearing it again. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits. And not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. If that does not make you want to sprint your behind to the polls right now, I don't know what does. I don't know what it'll take. Everything you just heard there reminds me of our president taking hit after hit after hit and continuing to move forward Russian hoax move forward steel dossier keep moving forward Ukrainian hoax impeachment keep moving forward Accusations of racism. Keep moving forward. 
lies by the DNC, the mainstream media, the Biden campaign. You keep moving forward. I'm telling you, that line just sticks with me. It isn't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Nobody personifies that better, in my opinion, than President Donald J. Trump. Let's get into it now. It's uh, 12 minutes past 10 o'clock. Peter Kirsten now joins us for his regular Tuesday visit, but there's nothing regular about an Election Day visit from Peter Kirsten now. Cleveland attorney, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Pete, good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Excited to be here on Election Day. Privileged to be here on Election Day. I have one dispute with Rocky Balboa. Tomorrow will be rainbows and sunshine because Donald Trump is going to win. <laughs> I think it's going to be a big win, too. I've predicted a win on this show, and I, I frankly, I um, was hedging bets a little bit. You know, I said, look, there's all these indices out there, but the more I looked at data, the more I've talked to people who know stuff, uh, <laughs> colloquially speaking, I mean, people in the know. The more I really do think that this is going to be a, uh, a blowout, for, I don't know about a blowout, but it'll be a substantial victory for Donald Trump. I do think there's the possibility we won't know tonight, but I, my own view is the probability is we will find out tonight. I think, uh, again, all the prognosticators, all the pros will tell you, and people who've watched a lot of election cycles like we have will say that you can't make too much out of anecdotal data. You can't make too much out of things like that photo of Butler, Pennsylvania, but you can. You can't ignore that. Never in my life have I ever seen a photo like that, wall-to-wall, horizon-to-horizon people in the cold at night on a weekend waiting for the President of the United States to show up. It was extraordinary. And it evinces the passion that we see for this president, because he does. This is a guy who's taken every hit, as you indicated, and kept going like the Terminator. And in good cheer also. He goes on to every show, regardless of how hostile they may be, and he takes their questions with, I mean, (laughs) the guy does it magnanimously and delivers like no president in our lifetimes. Usually I don't engage in this kind of hagiography about any candidate at all, because I usually think, having many of us have concluded, most of them aren't worth a whole lot. And yeah, we're going to try to build up certain individuals. But Trump deserves our vote. He's earned the vote. Promises made, promises kept is not just a slogan. He did it. I've told you and your audience about shortly after he was inaugurated, I was, had the privilege of being in the Oval Office. But what was more interesting, and again, I won't go into a whole lot of details because I have a, a rule that I abide by in terms of not disclosing certain information, but I can allude to it. I then went into the, next, the room next door where all the walls were just completely white. Nothing on there except there was a list of approximately 167 items on there. And that list was a to-do list for the president. And this was in early February. He had just been inaugurated a couple of weeks before. And he'd already checked off a number of them. And I looked at that list, and I remember coming home and telling some of my partners at my firm, I said, if he accomplishes just one-tenth of that list, he's going to be reelected in a landslide. I'm here to tell you, I think he's gotten through about two-thirds of that list. And I am telling you, these were amazing accomplishments. So I think President Trump is going to win. All of the indices indicate he's going to win. As Byron York said, other than these mass media polls, which were spectacularly wrong last time, do you see 
any indication whatsoever of a Biden win, and you don't, and you don't see any enthusiasm. It's the largest enthusiasm gap in history. We hear so much about broken glass Republicans, hot coal Republicans, and it is true. Anyone who was conflicted in 2016, and I count myself kind of in that category, uh, I was not so much voting affirmatively for Trump, but just to make sure that Hillary didn't get in. Uh, these folks are converts to a person. I, I'm not saying they're out, not out there in a nation of 330 million people, but I don't encounter the people who said, well, you know, I was kind of reluctant voting for him in 2016. And I'm still a little bit indecisive about it. No, all these people are true believers. I've gotten a number of emails already this morning. You know, I'm an early riser, usually up about 4.30, so I've gotten a scores of emails all over the country, both from pros, who know what's going on, and also ordinary, average, everyday people and friends of mine. And they're saying something similar. I'm I'm looking at one right now, and of course I won't reveal uh, who it was, but this individual says to, it's a group email, he says, you may recall my surprise in 2016 at the line in my polling place. I won't say anything more than that because it starts to give identifying information. He's been voting there since 1991. 2016 was the first time he had seen any kind of a line there. It was about eight to ten deep, and and that's a it, he votes in a predominantly Republican area. But it was the first time in 30 years he had seen any kind of a line there in 2016, eight to ten deep. This morning at the same time of day, the line was down the hall, out the door, halfway around the church, and out to the street. Wow. And he says, "I think this bodes well." Um, Now, my polling place, I can give you by way, again, anecdotal information, but I think people are interested in this kind of stuff. I know, we all know, it doesn't translate into what the vote outcome is going to be nationwide or even statewide, but I think that this year, these kinds of anecdotes are meaningful. I vote, my wife and I are the only registered Republicans in, uh, in my ward, have been the only registered Republicans for 35 years. Everybody knows who we are, no mistake about it. Um... I can tell you that, in, and I always vote the same around the same time of day. I'm usually in line, you know, well before the polls open, because you know, like most working people, we've got work to do. And and my neighborhood is a working class neighborhood. Most of the people cast their ballots in the morning. Another cohort casts after, say, five o'clock after you know typical working day. There's only a smattering during the course of the day. Um, so I have a pretty good benchmark over the years for, you know, what is the turnout? And I'm in an, again, all democratic area, um, in an all black area, South Collinwood is where my polling station is. Now at my polling station this morning, it was not really, I think it was probably more people in line than there were in 2016 for Hillary. Okay. Although when I looked at it, part of it, it occurred to me that the line length may have been uh, exaggerated because of the six foot rule. Everyone was observing the six foot rule. Um, However, in 2008 and 2012, the line, I would say, or the number of people in line was about four to five times bigger. That's because Barack Obama was running. All right. For Hillary Clinton, there were probably a, a Well, you know, there weren't a lot of people there, but I don't think it was markedly different between 2016 and today. Again, I think that's instructive because Donald Trump is going to get far more votes this time than he got in 2016. Biden, eh, he may get more than Hillary just because there's been so much hysteria generated by Democrats around this. 
However, the problem for the Democrats is Biden and, and all the Democratic pros have been saying this for quite some time in their localities have been apoplectic about the national campaign because they have not been devoting resources to either the ground game or noticing or making much provision for the fact that Biden is underperforming Clinton in most of those critical states and underperforming among the critical demographic groups, meaning blacks, and in South Florida, for example, Hispanics, they've got to take Miami-Dade, as we all know. If they can't take mm-hmm. Miami-Dade by a significant margin, game over in Florida. And that's I do think a dead heat right now. Florida. Right. I, I think that, my goodness, if, if, if it's a dead heat, that means a big Trump win. And same with Philadelphia and Detroit. And they've Peter, been I'm going to take a time out here uh, because you've got a lot of metrics that you're going through here and a lot of very important information. And I want to talk also on the other side about the, the shy Trump voter you talked about. Byron York wrote an entire column about that. It's real. Uh, and that is something that no poll can possibly measure because people are keeping their mouths closed. We're going to talk about that as we continue as well. And Peter, I also want to get your thoughts on the fact that all of Washington, D.C. and many, many urban, large urban centers in this country right now are boarded right. up in anticipation of violence. And I want to talk about what that means as well as we continue with Curse Now after this on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, 10.25. Now we continue with Peter Curse Now. We've got Peter for this short segment and then one more after the bottom of the hour news uh, as we continue to cover Election Day six ways from Sunday. All right, from Tuesday. Uh, Peter, Byron York... Uh, wrote about the shy Trump voter. He didn't use that terminology as you did in your um, your uh, very detailed uh, statistical analysis, analytics, metrics, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to share the last two paragraphs of what um, Byron wrote. He said, there have been four years of anti-Trump media coverage. The anger that some voters feel when the name Trump is mentioned has only grown. And this year there have been protests and in some cases actual violence, violence in a number of cities, including some in Pennsylvania, directed at Trump and Trump supporters. There is all the more reason for a person who has never voted before now, who doesn't talk politics with friends, to stay quiet about his or her intention to cast a vote for this president. So it is not a surprise to hear so many Pennsylvanians say that they know someone who plans to vote for Trump but doesn't want to talk about it. It's not a surprise to hear that some centrist Democratic officials, dismayed at their party's left turn, plan to vote for Trump, too. In this nation of the secret ballot, there are plenty of reasons some people don't announce their vote. That applies perhaps more than ever here in 2020. So, Pete, you talked about that shy Trump voter who does not want to become a target, doesn't want to get into arguments with people, knows that if he says, I'm a Trump supporter, or puts on a red hat or a sign or a bumper sticker out, uh, that they're going to be in very comfortable situations they don't want to be in so they keep their mouths shut the question is is how many of them are there because it's going to take a wave of them i think to get this done i think there are a lot of them um you know there's been one poll that showed that 67 percent of republicans or uh, slash conservatives do not respond or respond falsely or misleadingly to polls versus 24 percent of liberals that's a huge gap and it's a gap because we've seen what's happened we have seen heck there were two people just in the last couple of months who wore mega hats who were killed for wearing mega hats i mean this is the kind of nuttiness we see we see kids being ostracized when they are um doing uh telecommuting or, or you know working uh, remotely from home and their uh, uh teachers see them with 
MAGA paraphernalia in the background. You know, it's, it's extraordinary. We all know it. It's been doing, we've been doing this for four years. This is a function of or a magnification of the initial deplorables comment that Hillary Clinton meant. I mean, when Hillary Clinton called Trump supporters a basket of deplorables, that resonated, and, and a lot of people were resentful of that. And I think it's one of the reasons why Trump won. That is only multiplied. It's, it's maybe even an order of magnitude larger now than it was before. And correlatively, I think a lot of Trump people wanting to protect their jobs, because they've seen people lose their jobs, wanting not to give, uh, you know, make any, a situation more aggravated or inflamed than it already is, and don't want their homes, cars, property defaced. I know personally of a lot of people to whom that's happened. And just the uncomfortable situation, because the presumption is that, you know, if you look at all the major media, the zeitgeist, the culture, all the institutions, all presume that if you are a Trump supporter, you're a racist, homophobe, whatever it may be, you're just a bad person, and then presume that if you're a Democrat, everything is sweetness and light. You don't need those challenges in your life, so you keep your head down. Now, I will say as an aside, I've gotten some additional emails since I've gotten on, onto the air. Apparently, some people have heard me on the air, but I've I been getting a lot for a, a while. I've, I've said that I have at least some data points that show robust turnout in Trump areas, and in my own particular case, kind of, you know, decent turnout, but nothing spectacular in a completely Democratic ward. And a friend of mine emails that he's been to three locations in the Cleveland area, mainly black areas, and the turnout is, is pretty robust there. So you can't just take one indication, but nonetheless, that's not necessarily a surprise. And I don't know what robust means compared to, say, when Obama ran for office. Uh, it may be more robust than it was in 2016, but that will not get uh, Biden over the hump. He's got to have really strong support because, again, Trump is no longer a non-entity or an unknown factor. A lot of people who voted for Trump last time did so maybe, you know, as I, uh, I don't mean to repeat myself, but did so maybe not completely enthusiastically. But now this is truly a fight. I don't mean to exaggerate anything, but, you know, I, I've heard other very smart people make similar points, so I don't think I'm exaggerating it at all. My gut tells me that many people see this as a fight between those who believe in America and those who really don't like America a whole lot, or are always pointing out the flaws with America, and by extension, the flaws with Americans. It is the, the deplorables yep. dynamic on steroids. And even for those... We cannot be who, a systemically you know, racist nation, Peter. We, we cannot, I apologize for the interruption, we're going to get to our news break here, but uh, just to hit what you said, we cannot be a systemically racist nation without being a nation of systemic racists. It is an attack right. on the people. It is a statement about the people that whether they know it or not, they are racist, and that is what is holding people back as, as part of the, the, the equation here. All right, Peter, uh, like I said, I hate to interrupt, but we've got to get our news. We'll come back. We'll talk again about the threats uh, to various uh, American cities based on the outcome of the election tonight and perhaps in the next day or two, uh, depending on when we get the results. And we'll get Peter Kersenow's final prediction of what will happen and when we'll know it coming up after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth 
The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, 1036, we continue AM 1420. The Answer, Peter Kirsten now is still with us. But before I go back to Pete, uh, I just got a note from Beverly Goldstein. The phones are ringing. Uh, they are taking incoming calls. They're also making outgoing calls to uh, individuals to find out if they need rides. This is a GOP voter rideshare program in Cuyahoga County. If you need a ride to the polls, uh, all you got to do is call this number, 216-387-9477. There is a huge team of drivers all willing to put in the work to take you from where you are to your polling location and back again, free of charge. This is just an assistance to get you to the polls. So GOP voters in Cuyahoga County, 216-387-9477. Seven seven, Peter. Before I get to the, uh, I've teased it twice now. The uh, the boarded up windows and buildings and so forth. Um, I just want to talk about the black turnout. Um, I got a message here also from David Arredondo, who is the uh, Lorraine County. That's my neck of the woods, Lorraine County uh, GOP chair. And he said, voters are turning out today. Lines in all areas uh, uh, except Lorraine and Elyria, but in Amherst and Avon, Avon Lake, North Ridgeville, Wellington, Vermilion, which are all very much red areas of Lorraine County. There are long lines. He said, however, from uh, reports that they're getting from each of those locations, black turnout is very low. Now, we're only four hours in. You know, the polls opened at 630 this morning, but in four hours, he said the black turnout is low. Now, my question to you, Peter, is can you take that anecdotal information and apply it to what you call Kersenow's ironclad rule of uh, presidential elections, that the Democrat candidate needs 88% or more of a robust black turnout to win an election? Hillary got 92% and still lost. So what is your takeaway from that, Peter? Yeah, I, you know, I hesitate to read too much into that. Uh, whether it's a robust black turnout or, or it appears to be underperforming, uh, because it depends on the polling place. But I'll say this. Based on things I have heard from people who are well-placed and have been watching this for a long time over the last couple of months, the Democrats are very concerned that they are not getting the kind of turnout they had, uh, even in 2016, in places like Philadelphia and Detroit and a few other places that have large black populations. And that's one of the reasons why you saw, for example, Barack Obama go to Philadelphia to try to gin up more enthusiasm. Look, let's face it, nobody's enthusiastic about Joe Biden. Nobody whatsoever. Black, white, doesn't matter. This is all about Donald Trump. And for four years, the media has been trying to uh, create hysteria among blacks related to Donald Trump because he has an appealing message to blacks, a very appealing one. We've seen so many different notable uh, blacks come out uh, kind of almost counterintuitively and support him. Now, what I will say is this, that remember, just because the lines don't appear to be very long in certain black areas, um, I'm I'm hesitant to to draw any conclusions because 67% of Democrats have said that they plan to vote by mail. So it's conceivable that the light turnout is the fact that so many have been, you know, there's been a cannibalization of the vote early on in right. the, uh, the, the, the mail ballot. So don't take anything for granted. My own sense, though, is I wouldn't necessarily believe that the, a large black line or a small black line means that necessarily a small black line is, is bad for, for Biden and a, uh, a large black line is good for Biden because the polling data we've seen has been extremely interesting. It appears as if 
Trump's approval rating among black males is in the low 40s and has been for about a year. You and I have been talking about this, Mm -hmm. and it's only been inching upward. Now, he gets blown out by black females. It's like 95% of black females are anti-Trump. However, this is the first time we've seen anything even remotely approaching this for a Republican candidate in our lifetimes among black males. So, you know, my what do you attribute that, Pete? That's something I've never heard anybody talk about. Black males versus black females. You know, I mean, I know why black males are coming around, because, you know, they're starting to see the light, and they're getting off of that Democratic mental plantation. They have seen the, uh, you know, the record donations, historic donations to historically black colleges and universities. They see the funding of Opportunity Zones, the Platinum Plan, the First Step Act, uh, the record unemployment, uh, low unemployment for black Americans. Black males, I can see why they're coming around and saying, this guy is doing it for us. What is holding back the black female? I think there's a couple of things, and, and don't take this to the bank, but this is just based on my observations over the last 40 years or so. Okay. And that is that among black females, there is there may be a greater allegiance to the Democratic Party because, first of all, females are more likely to be have an allegiance to the Democratic Party than males do. But second, it's because if you look at the black female workforce, there's a larger percentage of black females who are government workers. Government workers, as you know, the, I gave you the stats a number of times during the course of this show over the couple of years, or several years we've been on, but uh, as many as 90%, 95% of government workers vote Democrat. And I think the fact that such a significant percentage of black females are government workers at some level of government may have something to be said for that. If you look at the unemployment rate for black males, for example, it's at the lowest rate, or for most, most of the Trump presidency, the lowest rate in history. Um, one of a good friend of mine who again knows things was making an, another anecdotal observation that I think is is actually makes sense, and that is he said he was he spends his time between South Carolina and Washington D.C. where he's got jobs in both places, and he said he went to the barbershop in South Carolina, and the guys there were talking about Trump and you know using scatological terms about what a tough guy he was. There was something about Trump and his persona. Let's face it, half of the rap songs in the 1990s and early 2000s had Trump mentioned in the name. There was something about the way Trump approaches life, this kind of unabashed Americanism. He doesn't make apologies for anything. You call him a racist a million times, and he will not apologize for the things he said that are politically incorrect, and people get it. People get that a racist would backtrack and apologize. Somebody who's definitely not a racist, is not going to back off because he knows precisely who he is. And as I've told Mm -hmm. people, the one thing I've told people about uh, personal conversations I've had with Trump is one of the first times I met him, he asked, and I believed him to be sincere, he said, look, um, we have to do something about the unemployment rate in the black community. Tell me what can be done. It is, it, I don't know if he said it was his first priority, but it was one of his chief priorities. And he was passionate about it, has remained passionate about it, and I think some people get it. Biden is still going to get, by far, the lion's share of the black vote. But you're right, the ironclad rule applies. Biden better get 88% of a robust black turnout. Hillary got 92%, but had 4 million fewer votes than Obama had because... No one was excited to come out and vote for her. Whatever you say what, about what's Hillary, your prediction Biden's on that, Pete? If I may, 
you, you, you've laid out what has to happen. What's your prediction on what will happen? I asked Leo Terrell this question in the first hour. He thinks it'll be between 15 and 20%, that Trump is polling at around 31% right now right. with African-Americans, primarily African-American males, as you just pointed out. He doesn't think he's going to get 30%, but he said 15 to 20% is what he, is what he is predicting. What is your thought on that? I think 15 to 20 percent among black males is certainly realistic. Uh, I had emailed a friend of mine who is involved in the campaign that based on my data, my little analysis of looking at, and it's just pretty accurate, you go back and look at the approval rating of the GOP candidate in the month before the election, historically, look at his approval rating, and what his final vote tally is going to be is usually between 75 to 77 percent of his approval rating. It's been pretty, pretty consistent. Now, I happen to think that Trump is going to do much better than the 8% he got. I hesitate to make a prediction, but I do think it's within the realm of possibility that he gets 14% of the black vote, maybe 15%. If you use my analysis right now, he would get 17% of the black vote. And again, that's wipeout territory for Democrats, okay? If they can't make that, yeah, <clears throat> if they can't make that up somewhere else, they, this is why we hear so much about race and racism in America, because the Democrats must keep the black vote within their column. Otherwise, they go the way of the Whig Party. It's imperative for them. Right. So Trump he, understood that. Yeah. Well, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to touch on uh, the, the, the buildings that are being boarded up in D.C. and a lot of other major urban centers. Um, not only are businesses boarding up in advance of expected quote-unquote unrest, according to the media, riots and vandalism and looting is what the rest of us would call it, but in addition to boarding up, many of them are spray painting on the plywood. Black Lives Matter. And we believe Black Lives Matter. In other words, please, please, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, don't destroy my business if Trump wins. This country knows what the liberal Democrats are. The business owners know what the threat is against them. It's not red-hatted MAGA supporters that are going to go out there if Joe Biden is announced as the winner tonight and start destroying the cities. They know who, what, they know full well who is a threat to them and their livelihood. What does that tell you and why do they embrace that? Why do they embrace that? Uh, in those cities, when they literally know that the people, the Biden voters, if they don't get their way, will destroy their businesses, how can how can how can elected officials uh, allow that and not speak out against that? Uh, because the elected officials see the first imperative as getting Democrats elected. Unfortunately, that's what their officials. But with respect to the businesses, I don't think they're buying into it. I think they're simply saying. This is the, the wisdom of the multiple, multitudes, so to speak. That is, they watch what people do, not what they say. Um, the stock market right now is up by 550 points. stock market would not go up on the heels of our anticipation of a Biden presidency. These are thousands, if not millions of people, making a decision as to what they believe is going to happen today. Same with the boarding up of buildings. Those people wouldn't be doing that if they thought that 
Biden's in the lead by as much as the major media polls say. They think there's at least a realistic probability that Trump is going to win. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spending the money or the time boarding up their windows and putting things like Black Lives Matter on them. Because they, as you just indicated, they know where the threat comes from. But why would there be a threat if Biden is ahead by 10 points nationally, which translates into at least a couple of points even in red states? They think there's a realistic probability that uh, Trump is going to win. Now, I do believe he's going to win. That's not necessarily my prediction, but I do think all signs point in a very positive direction. The, as I said, the only metric we have that points to a Biden victory are the same polls that were disastrously wrong, disastrously wrong not just in 2016, but in 2018. Every other metric points to a Trump win, including the fact that when you look at the polling in individual states, the differential between Trump and Biden, uh, that is, you know, when they have Biden with a lead, is smaller than it was for Hillary Clinton at the same point in time. And we know what happened there. So he's underperforming Hillary Clinton in those crucial states. And if uh, look at Florida, for example, Trump won Florida last time, 49% to 47.8%. That's Mm -hmm. 1.2%. The differential right now between Trump and Biden is smaller than that. It looks as if Trump is going to prevail in Florida. If he prevails in Florida, I think that it's going to make it extraordinarily difficult then for Biden to win. And I think for, for him, that's why he's been concentrating so much on Pennsylvania. He has to get Pennsylvania. And really, he really needs to get just not just Pennsylvania, but Michigan and Wisconsin also. Those are heavy lifts for Biden. Not to say he can't do it, but I like Trump's chances. Peter Kirsten, I'll lay it out. I asked uh, much the same question to, uh, to Steve Bannon, also in our number one. And he, I don't know if you want to get the specific or not. It's your call. It's our last question here, Pete. But uh, he said 289. It'll be fewer electoral votes than he got in 2016, but it will be enough. He will get 289. He talked about Pennsylvania. He talked about Ohio, of course. Talked about Florida. Talked about Wisconsin. And he's not ready to surrender Nevada either. And we all know that Michigan was a huge part of the win last time around as well. But he said 289. Um, ballpark figure, idea, what do you think will, yeah, will be um, the look, electoral the number? The smart thing to do is go with what Steve Bannon says, because the guy is extremely good at this kind of stuff. Very, very good. Um, I happen to think it's going to be more. I think Trump retains the states that he got last time. I really do. The only question mark, again, is Pennsylvania, and it's not because of the vote total itself. It's because of shenanigans post-election. I hate to say that. I hate to say that. But I think they're going to draw that out as long as possible, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be because of litigation. You call them shenanigans. I call it voter fraud. And uh, and that, that scares the bejesus out of me, too, Peter. Uh, I, I completely concur. Peter Kirsten, I'll thank you so much for your great analysis, your insight, your predictions, and uh, obviously we'll get uh, your reaction. Maybe even we won't even wait until next Tuesday. Maybe we'll have to talk later this week once we have a winner declared. Please do so, Bob. Thank you, Peter. 
Bye-bye. <clears throat> Peter Kirsten, now AM 1420, the answer, laying it all out for you like very few people can. Let me lay this out to you as well. If you are concerned about this infectious flu season, I want to tell you to get to Discount Drug Mart. Discount Drug Mart has your flu vaccine. It's more important than ever in this uh, kind of COVID-slash-flu hybrid season. Fill out a simple form. You can do it online at discount-drugmart.com. Stop in and see your friendly Discount Drug Mart pharmacist for your vaccination, and you are out the door headed home. It takes about two weeks for the uh, shot to become effective, so do it early, and you will be more protected for the length of the flu season. Also, Discount Drug Mart knows you're juggling a lot of responsibilities, and you don't have time to take care of your health in other ways as well. So that's why they also offer you pneumococcal uh, immunizations, shingles immunizations, and pertussis, which is whooping cough, which you do not want in this, again, very highly infectious season. So Discount Drug Mart is there as your local immunization destination. They will take great care of you. And also, a reminder that this uh, flu season coincides with the winter season, and that means there's going to be a lot of very cold kids out there who need your help. Uh, Discount Drug Mart has been sponsoring and raising money for Coats for Kids for years. And now uh, they're back at it again. Discount Drug Mart wants to remind you that spend a single dollar on a little paper coat, which they will hang up on the wall with your name on it or whatever you want on it. And uh, all of the dollars collected will go to the Coats for Kids campaign to help provide warm coats for kids who cannot afford them. Remember, I said all, 100%. There's no... Uh, cost, or there's no uh, fees that are taken out, there's no profit. It is 100% of that those dollars go to the Coats for Kids campaign. So stop into Discount Drug Mart, where they have everything you need. Out with the cool, in with the cozy. Sal's wants to make sure you're nice and toasty throughout the fall season. Sal's Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Sewer Incorporated can clean and check your furnace for just $69.95. How's your AC unit holding up? Get them both cleaned and checked on the same visit for just $104. Sal's has been providing no-nonsense service since 1975. And when you call, a live representative will answer the phone 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So, call Sal's. 440-582-4748. Or visit salsheatandcool.com. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Do people understand that this is about freedom, deciding for yourself how to live, versus elites in New York, D.C., Silicon Valley, and Hollywood? Between people who think they know best what you should do and how you should live your life, and people like me who believe, leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob France at 9 on AM 1420. The Answer. And on Radio.com. Well, my friends, it's just about all over now but the shouting and the voting. We have laid it out for you the best we can, not just on today's program, but on yesterday's program, on the programs we've aired for the last several weeks, indeed the last several months, and indeed really going back to last year, the summer of 2019, and the ridiculous impeachment uh, um, proceedings called for by the liberal demon rats who have absolutely no interest whatsoever in keeping this country as a free republic, as a constitutional republic. We've laid it all out for you, and all that's left is for you to do your job. Now, President Trump is not a perfect candidate. He has not been a perfect president. 
He's not a perfect man. And you know what? Spoiler alert, it's not possible for him to be any of those things. Because there has only been one perfect man in the history of man. His name was Jesus Christ. Donald Trump is a flawed human being. But Donald Trump's flaws are absolutely minuscule compared to the extraordinary results that he has provided for this country, for all people in this country. Not just for white people, or for male people, or for straight people, or for Republican people, but all people, white and black and Latino and every ethnicity here, Christian, Jew, and every religion here, straight, homosexual, and any other sexual orientation or sexual preference here. It does not matter who you are. President Trump has made promises to the American people, and the four words that best summarize the first of two Trump terms are promises made, promises kept. Those are the four words that really should resonate in your mind as you decide what you are going to do today. So what I want you to do is think about all of the pro- think about the state we were in 4 years ago economically, militarily with our foreign policy, wars, uh open borders, all of the things that we had to deal with during the 8 years of the Obama administration. Promises were made to deal with all of those and promises have been kept in virtually every circumstance. So is Donald Trump a perfect man? No. Is Donald Trump the best-looking man? No. Is Donald Trump the nicest, most congenial man? No. But he's not running for miscongeniality. He's not running for a beauty pageant. He's not running to be your pope. He is running to continue to defend the people of the United States of America and the foundational principles of the United States of America. That's why he is here, and that's why he needs four more years. I don't care if you have an hour and 10 minute line to wait in today to vote. I don't care if you have a three hour and 10 minute line to wait in. If you waited to vote on election day, commit yourself to it. Call the boss if you have to, but you cannot, you must not abdicate your responsibility. Turnout will decide whether or not we have a free constitutional republic for another four years or whether we have a socialist nation on its way into the depths of communist hell. It is just that simple. Thanks to everybody for being a part of the show today. Steve Bannon, uh, Leo Terrell, Beverly Goldstein, Peter Kersenow. Thanks to Derek and to uh, Marcy for running our show. Thanks to you for listening. This is your opportunity, friends. Claim your country. Save your country. We'll celebrate together tomorrow on AM 1420 The Answer.